I guess Larry was at Puget Sound Christian College about the time I was pastoring up at the Shelton Washington Church and was on the board up there. I don't remember, Larry. Are you like that too? What kind of memories? Well, you all look happy this morning. You all look rested, Doug. You look uh, good this morning. Did a good job, Dennis, coming up those stairs like that. That's, didn't have to use a handrail. Kind of embarrassing, but... <clears throat> I have something I want to share, a little tidbit. Again, that might help you get on the same page that I'm on this morning with this message. And I quote, God has a name. The misery on this dark earth is nameless. The evil on this dark earth among men is nameless. For the powers of darkness love to be without a name. They love to be in the shadows. Nameless, anonymous letters. Letters without signatures or, excuse me, are usually vulgar. But God is no writer of anonymous letters. God puts his name on everything he does. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Everything he does, his name is there. God has no need. God has no need to fear the darkness because he is what? He is the light and there is no darkness in him at all. First John uh, chapter one. We're going to focus on verses 6 through 7 today. I think maybe we have the whole thing up there, maybe, but uh, I'm going to read the whole passage just to keep it in context. That was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father has appeared to us. John speaking of the disciples that were with Jesus. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Now this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet we walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. But if we, if we claim to be without sin, we're just deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us of our sins, and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make, we make God out to be a liar, and his word has absolutely no place in our lives. Let me pray. Father in heaven, we're grateful and thankful for your word. I praise the Lord, Father, for those that are here today that stand on on your word and believe it. There's no doubt 
There's no doubt in your word. Your name is on it. And we're giving you thanks for that today. Be with us through this next time, next moments, Father, and open your word to us so the church can hear what the Spirit has to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Do a little review for you this morning for if you weren't with us last week. Three truths I would like for you to take home today as I asked you to take them home last week. I think they're important. Number one, the reason Christ came was not to merely cover up our sins, but to conquer them. Number two, the reason Christ came was not only to acquit us, but to reform us, to change us into his likeness. And thirdly, walking in the light simply means seeing things the way God sees them. I can hear somebody saying, well, how do we do that? <laughs> Philippians 4, 8 through 9. Let me share that with you this morning. Philippians 4, 8 through 9. Gloria has that memorized. I can't recall it right now. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, this is how you do it. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if, if anything is excellent, or if anything is praiseworthy, think about such things. There's enough in the world today to cause us to think about other things, don't you think? Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Paul says, put it into practice. And then the God of peace will be with you. What a promise that is. That's how you do it. You think about what you're thinking. You think about what you're thinking about. And if it praises the Lord, think about it. If it brings him glory, think about it. And that doesn't mean we don't think about the bad things in this world today. It's on our, it's on our minds all the time, the darkness out there. It just means it doesn't control us. It doesn't become a controlling factor of our thoughts. Last Sunday, we looked at verse 5, and we discovered that the foundation of a spiritual life the foundation of anyone's spiritual life is that God is light and in him there is no darkness, period. Amen? None. So with that, we can quit blaming God for the things in this world that are dark. With that understanding, we're going to look at the second truth of John's message, and that is the application. Last week, we talked about the foundation. God is light, and in him there is no darkness, period. That's the foundation. Today we need to talk about the application of that truth. Our responsibilities, oh my, to be responsible. What a concept. After all, what good is truth without application? What good is a foundation if you don't build something on it? What good is light if we don't turn it on? If we don't flip the switch, we know the power's there this morning. Remember last Sunday, Nan came in and the lights wouldn't come on. Finally, she got them on. Praise the Lord, right, Nan? 
But it's, it's like that in our spiritual lives too. We know the power is there. Just flip it on. Turn it on. What good is the blood of Jesus if we just sit, only sit around and talk about it? These verses, uh, 6 through 7, draw out the practical application from this truth about God, that he is light and in in him there is no darkness. Verse 6 gives us a hint of the negative side of this application. Yeah, there's a negative side. If, and I'm going to put a but in front of that if because it's a transition statement, but... If we claim to have, if we claim, if we claim to, I believe there's a God, right? So does the devil. But if we claim to have fellowship with him, yet we still walk in the darkness, we lie. We really don't have fellowship with him. We lie and we do not live by the truth. So if we, and that's a key word, <clears throat> is if, is a key word here. If we say we have fellowship with God while we walk in darkness, we lie. And do not live according to the foundational truth. There's really nothing on that foundation for us. There's a frightening passage of scripture that I, I want to, well, it's frightening if we don't understand And it's found in the book of Hebrews, and I want to read that to you today. Hebrews chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. Jot this down if you don't have your Bibles, and check me out later. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning with verse 25. The writer's writing to the church. He's writing to Christians here. Let us not give up meeting together as it is a habit of others. So there must be something about coming to church on Sunday morning. Let us encourage one another. You see, this is where we get encouragement. And all the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, hang in there. Now, verse 26, listen to this. If we deliberately keep on sinning, if we deliberately hang out in the darkness, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, after we've been saved... There's no sacrifice for sin. That's a a sad, sad statement. But it's true. Because you see, sin separates us from God. Unrepented sin. Living in the darkness separates us from God. Because he, he has no darkness in him. It's that simple. So if, if, you, if, we receive, if we've received the knowledge of truth, there's no sacrifice in us, or for us, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. So if I uh, go out here and say, yeah, I know, Lord, you don't want me to do this, don't want me to think this, don't want me to say this, don't want me to touch this, but I'm going to do it one more time. No, I'll do it for about a, about a week or so, and then I'll, I'll repent and I'll come back. I don't know whether... He's going to allow me to disgrace the blood of Jesus on that cross very long. So we need to be really careful, don't we? 
We really need to be careful in this dark, dark world. Okay, let's move on to the positive side of the application or, or walking in the light. By the way, the light is already shining, John says. The darkness is coming to pass. It's going to pass away. It's temporary, but the light is forever. Go back to chapter 1, verse 7 here, and, and you'll see. That we find out of the infamous but-ifs of the Bible. See, when, when John says but-if, it implies we have a choice. We can easily go from bad news to good news. Easily. We can easily go from darkness to light. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. What a, what a promise that is. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us. It cleanses us from all darkness. It cleanses us from all sin. It's hard for some to understand. I know that. I've been at this long enough to know that. It's, it's hard to understand this. our choice with God. It's our responsibility to choose. You see, because he will never, <clears throat> he'll never pressure us to abide with him. In a personal relationship, he only, he only invites, come follow me, Jesus said. Verse 9 explains how the cleansing works. You see, the cleansing, the changing from darkness to light is not automatic. It isn't done with just a word or an act. We as sinners have to participate. We have to participate in the process by owning up, owning up to and stepping out of darkness and into the light. We have to quit sinning willfully, premeditated. I know God is offended by this, but uh, just one more time. <laughs> this is where the application comes into play, you see. What good is it to have lights in the house if we just won't reach up and turn on the switch? Or if we turn on the lights and then put on a blindfold? 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 tells us who puts the blindfold on. Paul writes, for the God of this world, small g, has blinded the eyes of, the, of man so that he cannot see the light of the gospel. All my preaching, all my witnessing, all I want to do is begin to lift that blindfold for somebody. That's all I want to do. That's all the church should want to do, really. It should be obvious by now that walking in the light is totally opposite of walking in the darkness. There's no mix. In God, there's nothing but light. There is no darkness. There's no shades of gray. If God is light and in him there's no darkness at all, then he is the pathway. He's really the way to the fulfillment of our deepest longings. It's as simple as that. 
Walking in the light opens up our eyes. It opens up our eyes to all kinds of dangers of darkness. And at that moment, all the dangers of this world are exposed by God's light. This application of God's light would not be complete, I don't think, without a deeper look at the comment in verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The question is, who is the one another? I've long thought that John only meant having fellowship with other Christians, as referred to in verse 3. But I am positive today that he is also referring to having fellowship with God. as well as with each born-again believer. It's the family of God. He's our Father who art in heaven. Again, it's our choice, though, isn't it? God has already made his choice. He made his choice in John 3.16 for me. For God so loved Larry that he gave his only begotten son, and if Larry would believe he would have eternal life, Take the word world out of there and put your own first name in there. It changes that verse totally. Verse 6 is showing us what destroys a believer's fellowship with God. In fact, it's that which separates us from God. Walking in the darkness, walking to our own drumbeat, to our own agendas, sooner or later, separates us from God. And we are caught unaware. We don't even know. We don't even realize that we've been separated from God. We're not careful. Confidently, we think we have it all figured out, don't we? Or we're constantly claiming we just don't have enough information. Man's stubborn arrogance is a choice that will bring nothing but despair and nothing but Loneliness and hopelessness in their lives. Verse 7 shows us what restores and preserves the believer's fellowship with God. And that is simply walking in his light. Walking with Jesus. Thank you, Bill. Walking with Jesus. I'll tell you, in a world of darkness, you walk with Jesus, you're going to get attention. You're going to get attention. So we can conclude that probably the one another comment that John makes includes a loving fellowship, both with God. Sometimes we think, oh, God's so far away. You know, he's hanging out on a cloud. up there. He really doesn't even know I'm alive. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. I'm told he knows every hair on our heads. Well, that's, I'm a little less now than... He doesn't know as much about me as he used to. <laughs> but we can walk with God. We can, be, we can have a one another relationship with, with him. 
along with other believers as well. Amen? We can, we can have fellowship with one another. I think it's important to realize that if our fellowship with God is interrupted, if our fellowship with God is interrupted by straying into the darkness of this world, then our fellowship also with other believers is in turmoil. Why is there so much turmoil in the church, generally speaking, in the world today? We need to check out our relationship with God first. And at that moment, you see, we're in full, full cover-up mode, denial. Sometimes I suspect that we may be trying to restore our fellowship with other believers and, and not, first of all, restoring our fellowship with God. When that happens, we have it all backwards. There are three important questions that come up next, and they all need to be answered, and I'll do it quickly. What is this walk? Number one. Number two, what does it mean to be cleansed from all sin by the blood of Jesus? Number three, what connection? What is the connection or the application of these first two? What is the walk? Well, we've really already answered that question, haven't we? Walking in the light means living out our lives under the controlling Holy Spirit of God, His agenda instead of the world's agenda for me. You see, God is eternal. His plan is eternal. Man's plan is temporary. Next, what does it mean to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus from all sin? Well, does it mean that we, if we, when we walk in the light, the blood of Jesus keeps us from sinning? I don't know about you, but I'll fail once or twice today. Or does it mean that as we walk in the light, the blood of Jesus nullifies, nullifies or cancels out our sinning? 1 John 1, 9. Oh, if we would just confess our sins... He is faithful and just, and he will forgive us of our sins, cancel them, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, all unrighteousness, put us back in relationship with God. It's powerful. Does it mean as we, as we walk in the light, the blood of Jesus nullifies us or cancels our sinning? Yes, it does. If we will confess, if we'll own up, if we'll take responsibility, if we'll quit making excuses. In other words, is, the re, is, this, is, is this passage referring to progressive sanctification or to the ongoing experience of justification? Actually, I believe it's both. The blood of Jesus not only covers our sin when it's confessed, but it also conquers our sins. Wow. If something's conquered, it's gone. True? And it wipes them out. I remember the... Thanks for singing those songs today. Those are old-timers. and I can remember the one that we used to sing in youth group, Down in the Depths of the Deep Blue Sea. Remember that one? Remember that, Dave? No, you don't. 
down in the depths of the deep blue sea, there lays my sins. Far away from me or something like that. That's how Jesus takes care of my sins and yours. Nothing, there's nothing sadder, and I've said this so many times, nothing sadder for me than to see a born-again believing, living under the oppressive weight of guilt. A born-again believer living under the oppressive will, uh, guilt, weight of guilt. There's no reason for it. So as we walk in the light, what is this connection? The third point is, what is this connection between the two? What is the walk? What does it mean to have the blood of Jesus cover our sins? What's the connection between the two, between the walk and the blood of Jesus? John answers the question by saying, if we walk, then he says, if we confess, that's the connection. It's the connection between walking in the light and the cleansing power of Jesus' blood. The two are connected. If we believe the foundational truth that God is light, if we believe that, if we apply this truth to our lives, then and only then is the connection made between our walk and that cleansing power of Jesus' blood. So what shall I do? I strongly suggest that we, the church, need to recommit to walk in the light. We, the church, need to commit to walk in the light. We, the church, need to recommit to stand on that foundation. That God is light and in him there is no darkness, even though we live in a very dark world. We, the church, need to recommit to apply the truth of God's word to our own personal lives. Quit worrying about everybody else. And we, the church, need to recommit to always clarify our actions, our words, and our thought under the light of God's word. So obviously there's more to having and continuing to have a relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's not just getting saved and then sitting around talking about it. Having a good foundation is useless without application. I've said it before and I'm going to, I will say it again. Living the Christian life is no cakewalk. (laughs) Amen? Amen? It's not easy. If it were, it's not a Christian life. We who would choose to follow Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility to do our part in the midst of a dark world. Jesus has already done his part. Think about it. People today, Jesus, what can you do for me? He's already done it. When he died in our place on that cross for your sins and mine, We will only know the dark, false message of this world if we stay in the world. If we stay in the world and we wander in and out of the world, 
In that case, we would never know the light of truth. Never know the light of the truth that is there for all to see. For sure, it's, it's really a choice. It really is. 1 John 1, 9 is the answer to your question. What do I do first? If you're asking that question today, what do I do, Larry? What do I do first? Do I have to read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation? No. You know, do I have to get on this committee and that committee in the church? No. If you would simply confess your sins to him, own up. He's faithful and just. He's, he's, he, he guarantees he will, he, will, he will forgive you and he'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Wow. Come on. Do this and you'll begin to feel much more comfortable at the communion table. Are you comfortable at the communion table? Or is it just something we do about halfway through the service? You'll be much more comfortable at the preaching of God's word, too. <laughs> this morning, if you have any questions, if you have any doubts, you're like most of us at one time in our life. And then finally, somebody turned the light on for me, flipped the switch, and I saw the light. And my life has never been the same since. Do I have bad thoughts? Absolutely. Don't you? <laughs> but see, the light of this world is much brighter than the darkness in this world. I'm thinking about these lights up here, how bright they are. That's, that's nothing compared to how bright God's light is. So any questions you may have this morning, you can have an answer. You can have an answer to your question. If you just ask. Even those of you out there in TV land. You know how to get in touch with me. You know how to get in touch with Rob. You know how to get in touch with somebody. Just ask. There's going to be an elder at the... I see that Tim's over there right now at the prayer corner. He'd be a good one to start with. Like I said last week, if the line's too big and can't get to him, come on, see me. Wouldn't that be something? I want to read again in closing this morning. I think it's going to be up on the screen. I'm not sure. I passed the scripture that I read to you last week because it's such a time of a passage of reassurance. It's found in Isaiah, chapter 41, beginning in verse 10. Isaiah was that prophet of God that, uh, almost, almost like Moses, didn't want anything to do with going forth with the God's word, but the Lord needed him and he knew it. And in verse 6 of, cha of Isaiah, or chapter 6, he says, here I am, Lord, send me. <laughs> he hadn't been to Bible college or any of that stuff. He was just in the Lord's hands, and the Lord used him, and he became a, one of the major prophets. 
And he didn't go to a nice place. He went and preached to the ten tribes up in the north. Those that had given up on their god and married into the pagan gods of that area. These were God's people who just said, no, I'm going to do it my way, what pleases me. Well, anyway, Isaiah goes up there to preach, and he doesn't get a good reception. (laughs) And so the Lord, to encourage him, says this to him, verse 10 through 13, chapter 41. The Lord says, do not Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, but I am your God. Don't be be tricked. I am your God. He said, the Lord says, I'll strengthen you, Isaiah, and I will help you. You don't do this alone, Isaiah. Believers, you don't do this alone. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When you're down, I'm going to lift you up. And all who rage against you will surely be ashamed. Don't worry about those that are against you. They'll surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing. And Don't worry about anybody that opposes you. Though you search for your enemies, you won't find them. <laughs> Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, right? Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all, for I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Let's pray. Our Father,